By ignoring the last 4,000 years of history in the region, genocidists feel justified in declaring that Israel is the aggressor in the current conflict and must be stopped from committing atrocities. To them, the October 7 massacre never happened or is just an inconvenient truth to be ignored. Well, this false narrative is spreading globally, which is why we will tell the truth about Israel's right to exist in their ancestral homeland on this edition of The End Time Show. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Dave Robbins with End Time Ministries, and I do thank you so much for joining me on this edition of the End Time Show. You know, we've got to teach things right, right? I mean, we've got to tell the truth. When I left Israel on my last Israel tour, I looked back at my guide and our bus driver, and I told them, I said, guys, I will tell the truth about Israel. All this false narrative that's going around in the international community, the truth has to be told. Israel has a right to exist in their ancestral homeland. You know, guys, no other nation today, not one, has its very right to exist questioned or challenged. Only Israel. And you know, there are people that are saying, well, the Israel people, they are the occupation. Or you've heard, from the river to the sea, Palestine indeed will be free. That's an anti-Semitic slogan that's commonly featured on these anti-Israel campaigns at the protest on these big signs uh, chanted at their demonstrations. And really, that's a rallying cry that has long been used by anti-Israel voices, including supporters of terrorist organizations such as Hamas. And they're seeking Israel's destruction through violent means. It, it is fundamentally a call for a Palestinian state extending from the Jordan River all the way to the Mediterranean Sea and the territory that includes the state of Israel, obviously, which would mean the dismantling of the Jewish state. And from the river to the sea is an anti-Semitic charge denying the Jewish right to self-determination, including through the removal of Jews from their ancestral homeland. Now, folks, this is a, fo a false narrative that is going on around the world. It's spreading. It, hundreds of thousands of people in these protests that are pushing these absolute false narratives. And so I want you to know the truth today. Because scripturally, which trumps everything else, Scripture trumps any encyclopedia, any political uh, ideology, any government, any world government. Scripture trumps all of that. And the Bible says Israel has a right to a homeland in that region. And so I'm going to prove that to you in great detail on the program today. First, let me mention First Cup Coffee. And as you can imagine, we're, we're working around the clock to keep up with these things. We're certainly energized and motivated by our God-given purpose. And thankfully, man, I had a cup of first cup coffee this morning. It was pretty awesome. 
And First Cup Coffee, they're not a woke company. They haven't tried to rewrite our history or lobby to defund our military. They're a Christian-owned company, coffee company, right here in Texas. They've got many, many, there's like 11 different roasts. And they're, each one of them are named after a specific piece of American history. So, go to firstcupcoffee.com, use code ENDTIME to get 10% off. If you subscribe, they'll give you an additional 10% off. So go to firstcupcoffee.com, use code ENDTIME to get 10% off today. Now, back to Israel and this, and the, really the anti-Semitism going on around the world. And it's really rising. It's almost like a hockey stick right now, it seems like. There's another very similar uh, anti-Semitic slogan that, is called, that says, Colonialism is terrorism. Free Palestine by any means necessary. And they mean any means necessary. Uh, the Times of Israel reported that on October 24th, UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres appeared to suggest the motive for the Hamas terror group's devastating October 7 massacre on Israel was the Jewish state's continued control of Palestinian territories with the Israeli ambassador and the UN demanding that he to, Israeli ambassador to the UN, he demanded that he resign. And he also said it's important to recognize that attacks by Hamas did not happen in a vacuum. And Guterres said that at a UN Security Council meeting on the Israel-Hamas war, which erupted when the terror group ravaged Israeli border communities, killing some 1,200 people, and the vast majority of them were civilians. Guterres said... The Palestinian people have been subjected to 56 years of suffocating occupation. And we are going to make sure that you understand it is not the occupation. It's total false narrative. I'm going to make sure you understand that before the end of the program. They have seen, uh, Guterres goes on and says, they have seen their land steadily devoured by settlements, and he's talking about the Palestinians, and plagued by violence and their economy stifled, their people displaced, and their homes demolished. Their hopes for a political solution to their plight have been vanished. So, on, he's totally, that's anti-Semitic, calling them uh, the occupation. It's anti-Semitism. Absolutely it is. Anti-Israel, anti-Semitism, anti-Zionism. On September 21, Palestinian Authority President Mahmoud Abbas, he addressed the a 78th session of the UN General Assembly. And he said, this, Israel's occupation, violates the principles of international law and international legitimacy, calling on the United Nations to implement its resolutions, like Resolution 2334, and usher in the birth of a fully independent Palestinian state. Even though They've been offered a Palestinian state numerous times and rejected it. What they really want to do is to get rid of Israel, period. They don't want, them, they don't want a two-state solution. They want a Palestinian state. And Abbas also demanded an end to Israel's decades-old military rule of the West Bank and an independent Palestine with East Jerusalem as its capital on the pre-1967 lines and with the refugee issue resolved in accordance with UN resolutions. 
And the thing is, they can say they want it to 67 borders, but that would leave Israel totally indefensible. Not a working situation at all. Netanyahu has said, can't do that. That's left us with indefensible borders about nine miles wide in, at the belly. And they could take over Israel like that. It would leave them with nothing. So, the fact is, everybody, the occupation and everything they're trying to do and this false narrative, none of that is true. Israel is not occupying Palestinian land. To believe this, one has to ignore four thousand years of human history. Now think about that. And so what I'm going to do today is I'm going to talk about sovereign Israel or occupied territories. That's the narrative that's being spun. If Israel is occupying somebody else's territory, then there's a problem. But does Israel have a right to exist? That's the key question here. And the fact of the matter is, the Bible says that they absolutely do. And remember what I said earlier, Israel, or uh, the Bible, Scripture, trumps everything. Scripture is God's Word. And God's Word trumps every narrative that is being spun around the world right now. So, who is right? Is the false narrative that they're occupying somebody else's land, or... Does Israel have a right to exist? Well, the, does Israel have a, well, let's put it like this. Does Israel have a stronger connection to the land than the Palestinians? Okay? Or is Israel occupying the region without just cause? Generally, in the law, when you, there is a land dispute, which there's much more than this, but I'm going to come at it from a, from a couple, two or three different perspectives here today. Generally, you know that in law, when there's a land dispute with you or your neighbor or squatters or whatever, there's a title search, right, or a land grant that provides the answer. Well, we could actually do that if you went back to King David when he purchased the threshing floor of Arana and established the um, Jerusalem as Israel's eternal capital. But in this case, the rightful answer and the rightful owner is clear if the Bible is taken seriously. Now, if you throw the Bible in the trash can, then it's all this whole narrative goes out the window. However, you can't take God out of the equation. If you do that, you're going to be in a world of hurt in any situation in your life. If you take God out of the equation, you're going to be in a world of hurt because humans have always shown that they can mess some stuff up, right? I mean, we've had 6,000 years of recorded human history to show us that. But when you put God in the equation, hey, things start to go pretty smooth, right? So, let's talk about this original land grant. I don't know if you've ever heard us talk about this before, but the, the Jewish link to Israel dates back over 4,000 years when God told Abram to take his wife Sarai, their family members, and all their possessions and go unto a land that I will show you. Genesis 12, that's back in uh, Genesis 12, 1. God sent them to a region at that time known as the land of Canaan, Genesis 12, 5. I think you may have heard us we, come at this from a few different perspectives, but I'm, I'm going to do a little different today, and you're going to see that. Once, Abraham, once Abram passed into Canaan, 
God appeared with a promise to him and his seed, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land. He's standing in the promised land. Unto your seed have I given this land from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates. And that's Genesis 15, 18. Then if you go to Genesis 17, 7 through 8, God said, I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you, Abram, and your descendants after you for the generations to come. You say, well, right there, Ishmael and Isaac, right? Well, just hold on a minute and we'll get there. He goes on to say, I'm going to um, establish this covenant with you and your generations to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan, where you are now an alien, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. So the, you, you say, well, hold on a minute, Dave. The Arabs are Abraham's descendants as well through Ishmael. So God just told them, through your descendants, I'm going to give you this land. So the Palestinians, the Arab, the Palestinian Arabs there have a right to the land, right? Well, let's continue on. The land grant from God to Abram and his descendants sounds clear enough and unmistakable, and it is. So why are all these wars and the boundary disputes and this occupation talk and the international community's false narratives and all these different things going on? Well, the age-old question is, which descendants was God referring to? The Jews or the Arab Palestinians? And I think we can all kind of um, conclude that a lot of this is because most of these people, they've thrown the Bible in the trash. They don't pay no attention to the Bible. They just want their own lustful desires in the land over there is what they want. But, we're going to, we got to go with the Bible. I'm going to stick to the Bible and, you know, I'm not worried about any of, I'm, now the, I'm worried about history books and things like that, let's be honest. But I'm telling you, if the history books don't align with the Bible, I'm going with the Bible. The Bible's the infallible Word of God. And so if you can't trust the Bible, what are we all doing? Let's go do, you know, uh, but you can trust the Bible with your eternal salvation. Think about that. You can't discredit or discount the Bible, and you can't take God out of the equation. So, we're going to get into who are Abraham's descendants. Before we do that, let me mention Birch Gold real quick. You know, the, these world government enthusiasts, obviously they're wanting to impose all these digital currencies and their digital IDs and all these upon all their respective populations, and they could even allow officials to prohibit you from purchasing certain products. I mean, they are, they're programming these things. Uh, and it, in essence, it could give the government access or more control to your finances. So there are some concerned Americans that are thinking about diversifying their assets into physical gold with the help of Birch Gold. So. There are many reasons to do this, so if you'd like to get, like, have a physical asset tied to a tax-sheltered account, you can go to birchgold.com slash endtime to get your free info kit on gold. But you, if you have something like an IRA or a 401k that's been laying around for years, maybe you'd want to convert that into an IRA in gold, and Birch Gold can help you do that, and you don't have to pay a penny out of pocket. 
Go to birchgold.com slash end time. Claim your free info kit on gold. Because if digital currency becomes a reality, you may want to wish you had some gold to fall back on. Now, let's answer the real question here. Because this is very, very important. Who are Abram's descendants that are mentioned here? Well, as Bible scholars know, Abram's wife, Sarai, at the time, she was barren. And the promises of God seemed impossible to her. And after waiting 10 years for children, Sarai offered her handmaid, Hagar. God had promised them they were going to have a child. They waited 10 years, and she said, look, I don't know how this is going to work, but Abram, you take my servant, Hagar, Hagar, and... Um, going under her that, 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 I may have, that, may, that I may obtain children by her. That's uh, Genesis 16, 2. So Abram did that, and Hagar bore Abram a son named Ishmael. Well, present-day Palestinians that are Palestinian Arabs, so originally, um, when after the Romans, and I'll get to this, but when the Romans changed the name to Palestine, of that region, then there were Palestine Jews and Palestine Arabs. The original, the Jerusalem Post used to be called the Palestine Post. And I'll explain why that is here in a moment, but so present day Arab, Pal uh, Palestine Arabs, they traced, and that's what a Palestinian is today. There's really, there's, no, there's never been a nation called Palestine. There's been a region but it has never been a nation. So, present-day Arab Palestinians, or I should say um, Palestinian, Palestine Arabs, they trace their roots uh, as descendants of Abram through Ishmael. And God, uh, and they claim that God's everlasting covenant with Abram and his seed was referring to Ishmael, and thus the land belongs to them. Well, it would be difficult for anyone to dispute that Ishmael was, in fact, Abram's descendant, right? I mean, the Bible tells us that. However, the Bible, the Bible says that Ishmael, God will bless him and he will give birth to, he will have 12 princes. And the Bible actually gives the name of his 12 sons. However, the rightful heir to the land that is in dispute here is resolved if you keep reading. If you stop reading right there, then you would say, well, hey, they are occupying the Arabs' land. But that's simply a false narrative. When Abram was 99, God appeared and confirmed to him his covenant with him and his seed again. At that point, he changed his name to Abraham, changed Sarai's name to Sarah, and promised her a son at the age um, at age ninety. Well, Genesis seventeen one through fifteen, uh, um, and that's where that's found. So when Abram heard this, he questioned God and even tried to persuade him to choose Ishmael, who had already been born, as the promised seed. He said, "Have have you have you what about Ishmael?" And he still was trying to help God accomplish the promise, as though God needed his assistance, right? Maybe God just wasn't powerful enough to give a, an elderly, barren woman a child. God can do anything He wants. And of course He did. Well, that's Genesis 17, 18. But nonetheless, 
God made it very clear to Abraham that he was still in control and you are going to have a promised son, just like I told you. So in Genesis 17, 19 through 21, God said, Sarah, thy wife, shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac. He's going to be the promised son, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. As for Ishmael, I've heard thee, and behold, I have blessed him, and will make him fruitful, and will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall he begat, and I will make him a great nation. Now, listen at this next sentence. The Bible says, But my covenant will I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto thee at this time next year. So, there you go. God makes a clear uh, difference here. He splits it and he says, look, I, I, I get it. I understand, Ishmael, that you've already had him and I'm going to bless him. Even though Abraham and Abram and Sarai, you took matters into your own hands, I'm still going to bless him. But the promised son that I told you originally that you were going to have, you're still going to have that son, you and your wife Sarah, and that's the promise will be through him and his descendants. Now, once you get all this right in your mind, then you won't believe any of these false narratives going on around the world. And that's why I wanted to do it today. I told a lot of my friends in Israel, we will tell the truth about what's going on here. Because the, the, the international community and all of these big um, hundreds of thousands of people and these protests and everything that's going on, they're all doing that, folks, based on a false narrative. Think about that. And so we want you to know the truth because there is a future for the nation of Israel and End Time Ministries is going to play a big part in that. And I know a lot of you have bought into that because it's scriptural. But if you see all these false narratives on the news and you really don't know how to talk to people about it or, uh, you know, it's just, it simply becomes a huge mess in our society and around the world. And think about that and all the politicians that are involved in this stuff, spreading false narratives and different things. So I want to know, what does the Bible say? That's the whole goal in all of this. So Abraham's descendants, at this point, they, they, have temp they temporarily lose back and forth over the years. They lost possession of the promised land, right? So let's do this. Let's take a kind of like a quick spin through history because it shows Isaac's son Jacob had 12 sons that became the 12 tribes of Israel. And remember, the promise of God to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and that lineage through the 12 tribes of Israel, that's how God is going to keep His covenant. Now, again, Israel does get exiled at times when she backslides and different things, but God brings her back, and that covenant is still um, everlasting. And that's what's happened now. God brought Israel back from all around the world after World War II. It's Ezekiel 37. And that promise is still just as much alive today as it was back when Abraham, God made it with Abraham. So Jacob has these 12, 12 sons 
that become the 12 tribes of Israel. There's a famine in Canaan, and remember that drove Jacob and his 12 sons and their families to settle in Egypt, where their descendants, remember the story of Joseph, and he becomes the ruler of everything in Egypt except for the Pharaoh, and Jacob and them come to live down there. And they're, they're, but the problem is, is once they came down to live in Egypt, over time, the nation of Israel expands, and Pharaoh says, whoa, 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 hold on a minute. These guys are getting to the point where they can do whatever they want, these slaves, and so are these people, and so we're going to make them slaves. So their descendants were forced into slavery for just over, I think it was, ended up being 430 years. So it was around 1446 B.C., that God chose Moses to lead Abraham's descendants out of Egyptian slavery. And this exodus took 40 years. And in about 1406 B.C., after Moses died, Joshua led the Israelites back into Canaan. And there they repossessed the promised land and established the sovereign nation of Israel for the first time. Now, over the next several centuries, the Israelites enjoyed periods of peace along with times of war. And you guys know a lot of scripture, and uh, we're going to get into a lot of that here in just a moment because I want you to know how the nation of Israel was established. But let me mention Ready Pantry really quickly. Uh, because, the, you know, as Americans, we want to believe that the, the grocery stores and everything are always going to be there, especially with what they're doing, the farmers how quickly maybe a supply chain could collapse. Now think about that, because we've experienced that over the last few years. But what if there was a way you had an affordable um, three-month emergency supply of food, or a six- or 12-month? Well, there is. Readypantry.com slash endtime offers amazing 25-year shelf-stable food, not to mention the peace of mind you get knowing you have in this emergency supply of food for anything. There are, I mean, think about it. Like we've said, power outages, hurricanes, grid collapses, rolling blacks out, the, the potential of a war. Ready Pantry is an American-based company. All the products are sourced right here in America. And they, there's many of these long-term food storage companies on the Internet, and they're selling products that have been sitting on their shelves for years. Ready Pantry doesn't do that. You, they use the freshest product. It's packed within a couple months and that's what to deliver to your door. So go to readypantry.com um, slash endtime, and they even offer discounts up to 20% off on these three to 12 month supplies. So go to ready, readypantry.com slash endtime, use the code endtime, save an additional 10% off on your orders, free shipping on all orders, and then stock your pantry with buy now, pay later options that are available at the checkout. So go to readypantry.com slash end time and get some of this these these buckets of food because it's 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 really just kind of preparing and for any kind of catastrophe and there's certainly nothing wrong with doing that as a viewer of the end time show you're getting early access to christmas deals starting right now do you remember that feeling you had as a kid during the holidays what experiences and gifts would you receive this year well, the atmosphere at End Time is nearly the same. We're excited because these deals are now available through the end of 2023. Why are we so thrilled? Because we know these resources transform lives 
that's even more fun than Christmas, especially in these tough times. For the remainder of 2023, you can get deals like a special VIP group video call with Dave Robbins when you get Understanding the End Time. End Time Plus subscription for 50% off, or my personal favorite, a $10 and under sale for almost 100 different products featuring Irvin Baxter, Dave Robbins, and more. Go to endtime.com slash deals for a full catalog of items. You can also call 800-END-TIME. Hurry, supplies are limited. Go to endtime.com slash deals today. What if you could understand Bible prophecy? Dave Robbins, the host of the End Time Show's TV and radio programs, is holding a free prophecy conference near you. Gain peace and understanding about what the Bible says concerning End Time prophecy. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com slash events to see when Dave will be in a location near you. All right, now let, let's continue on today because I want to make sure, what are we doing? Well, I want to make sure that you understand all of these false narratives going on around the world. And it's huge right now. All of these protests and the, you, you know, the squad uh, that is uh, Rashida Tlaib and all, all these ladies that are pushing these false narratives and everything against Israel and everything they're doing. And, you know, um, from, the, from the river to the sea, Palestine shall be free and all this stuff. It's a total, absolute false narrative. It's a narrative that they're spinning, but there's no truth to it. Because Israel's not occupying somebody else's land. God gave them that land. These people are fighting against God. You understand that? So, Joshua brings the children of Israel back into the promised land and... They repossessed the promised land and established the sovereign nation of Israel for the first time. So, over the next several centuries, the Israelites enjoyed periods of peace along with times of war. Obviously, Joshua fought the Battle of Jericho. I mean, you know all the stories in there. So, a Jewish monarchy was established with Israel's first king, Saul. That was in about 1020 B.C. That was followed by King David, about uh, 1004 to 965 B.C., and he established Israel as a major power in the region. And Israel was conquered by, uh, over time by the, um, the Babylonians, remember the exile, the Persians, the Greeks, the Romans, and the Jewish temple in Jerusalem was destroyed twice. And um, in 60 B.C., when the Romans conquered the land of Israel, they banished the Jews in, um, and Roman Emperor Hadrian renamed the region uh, Palestine after Israel's long-standing enemy, the Philistines. Repeatedly, the Jews were granted the administration of Jerusalem only to be expelled from Israel completely for centuries. Abraham's descendants regain possession of their land, though, and Israel is reborn. So let's jump forward back from in 70 AD when everything's destroyed and Israel's dispersed throughout the nations. Uh, now, I will tell you that there have been a remnant of Jews in Israel all the way from the time it was destroyed 
until now. There's been a small remnant of Jews there the whole time. And I've got a guide in Israel that can trace his descendants or his ancestors in Israel back seven full generations living in Israel. And so let's jump forward to, let's go to 1917. Because in 1917, the British ended 400 years of Turkey's Ottoman rule uh, in the region. And Allied forces divided the territory into the different countries. British Foreign Minister Lord Balfour, he recognized the Jews' historical link to their homeland. Now, in the, it's what's called the Balfour Declaration of 1917, Lord Balfour pledged support for the establishment in Palestine of a national home for the Jewish people. It was called Palestine, but it, there was no such thing as Palestinians. There were Jewish people lived there, and there were Arabs that lived there. And they were, they were Palestine Arabs, Palestine Jews. Again, remember, the Jerusalem Post used to be called the Palestine Post. But there was never a country that was called Palestine. It was just the region there was called Palestine by the Romans. So the British divided the area into two districts. The Arab-Palestinian area called Transjordan, that was a territory east of the Jordan River and was, what, probably three times as large as the territory granted to the Jewish Palestine or the area west of the Jordan River. So from 1919 to 1946, the Jewish population in their homeland rose from 85,000. Now this is pre-1948, you understand. The Jewish population uh, in the homeland went from about 85,000 to about, what, a uh, little over 600,000 because of the immigration from Russia, Poland, Hungary, Germany. And, but as for the Arabs, sharing the land with the Jews was not an option. They launched never-ending attacks on the Jewish Palestinians in an effort to drive them out. Well, the British tried to maintain peace, but they finally had enough. And they turned over the Jewish-Arab matter to the newly formed United Nations in 1947. Okay? But there was still not, there's no such thing as a nation of Palestine. Never has been. It was just the region there was called Palestine. And there were Palestine Arabs, Palestine Jews. It's of utmost importance you understand that. Because if you don't get this, then some people could maybe buy into some of the false narrative that the United Nations is spinning. And, and I mean, the UN Secretary General of the United Nations, Antonio Guterres, he's spinning the, uh, all of this stuff going on in the Middle East and, and all of these protests. And you would think, man, are they right? No, they're absolutely not right. So... The uh, UN Resolution 181, it called for the Jews to give up even more of their land in order to establish an Arab-Palestinian. Remember, there was Transjordan, and then there was 
the um, Palestine, the Jewish Palestine. Well, they wanted to give up more of their land to establish an Arab Palestinian state next to the Jewish Palestinian state with Jerusalem to be under international administration. So Israel, I mean, from their original promise of God from the river in Egypt all the way up to the uh, great river, the river Euphrates, at this point, Israel only had a small sliver of that. But now they said, well, the, the, the Arab Palestinians, we want to give them more than just was Transjordan. They wanted to give some on the east side, or on, I'm sorry, on the west side of the Jordan River. And, but Arab, get this, they could have had that, but Arab leaders rejected the plan because they wanted all of the region that was called Palestine. Both east and west of the Jordan River. And that's what they want today. That's why they're running around saying, hey, um, the, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. That's an absolute false narrative, totally anti-Semitic, anti-Zionism, anti-Israel. But yet, you've got these college kids that are running around with these uh, placards protesting. From the river to the sea, Israel shall be... They need to go back through history, right? Number one, go to the Bible. Number two, go through history. So, even though more of their land was taken from them, now think about this. They only had a small sliver to begin with. Even though more of their land was taken from them, the Jewish leaders accepted that plan. I mean, it was just, it was only like at the waist of it was nine or ten miles wide. Very, I mean, but they, the Jews said, hey, if, they, if, they, if this is going to be recognized by the international community, finally we'll have a home in the promised land. And... We, they accepted it. The Arabs absolutely rejected it. Look at what they could have had, but they rejected it. And I want you to understand that today. And because sometimes we kind of just slide over this, and well, you know, and, and you get it all jumbled up in your mind, and then you think, well, man, maybe what they're saying over there is true in, in some of these major news sources. No, no, no. So what happened? The Jewish leaders accepted the plan, and when the uh, British when the British pulled out, they did what the only thing they could do on May 14, 1948. Um, Israel declared her independence, and the Palestinian Jews declared their new state. Um, this is when the Palestinian Jews declared the new state of Israel, with its citizens known as Israelis. Remember. They were Palestinian Jews. The region was Palestine there. Well, Israel's celebration was short-lived, right? I mean, the next day, there were many surrounding Arab nations uh, what, who, that invaded e Egypt, of course, Transjordan, Syria, Lebanon, Saudi Arabia, Iraq, Yemen. They invaded Israel, and they claimed the Jews were interlopers that Europe forced on the Arab nations after World War II. Not true. Total false narrative, guys. Secretary General of the Arab League, Azam Pasha, he declared, this will be a war of extermination and a momentous massacre. Wow, they're still trying to do that today, aren't they? So, to the contrary, and in what seemed 
the impossible, when the war ended 19 months later, Israel had survived. And Egypt had occupied the Gaza Strip, and Transjordan occupied Judea Samaria, which they, the international community calls the West Bank. And that was at the end of the War for Independence. So in 1950, Transjordan formally merged the West Bank and granted the Palestinian Arabs full citizenship and renamed itself Jordan. Well, as a result, the Arabs received nearly 85% of the original Palestine. Israel, again, still only had that small sliver. So from 1949 to 1967, all of Judea, Samaria, Jerusalem, and I'm talking about the belly of Israel here, Jerusalem and Gaza were 100% under Arab control through the Egyptians and the Jordanians. It was ample land for them to create a Palestinian state, right? Well, they made no effort to establish a separate state for the Palestinian Arabs. Now think about that. A lot of people don't even know this stuff. And so instead, in 1967, here we go again, Egypt, Jordan, Syria, and they launched another war to eliminate the state of Israel. Well, after six days of fighting, it's called the Six Days War, and a stunning military victory over the aggressors, Israel captured territory several times larger than the 1948 borders. They captured <clears throat> the entire uh, Sinai Desert from Egypt, the West Bank, all of Jordan, from, or I'm sorry, all of um, Jerusalem from Jordan, and the Syria's Golan Heights. So afterward, in an effort to restore peace to the region, Israel agreed to allow the Arabs to remain in the West Bank, Gaza, and inside parts of Israel. No doubt Israel has regretted that gesture of peace ever since, right? Um, so you understand this narrative that's going on here? I'm telling you the absolute truth from a scriptural and a historical standpoint. But the world, the international community, doesn't want you to know this history. And so they spread all these false narratives about they're the occupation. Israel is not the occupier. God gave them that land. A voice spoke to me and said, I've got something I want to show you. I was so sure God had talked to me. And I was stunned by what I saw. A direct fulfillment of this over 2,500-year-old prophecy. The United States will stand with Israel. Why haven't I ever seen this before? One-third of humanity will die. What do these beasts symbolize? The lion, the bear, the leopard. The combined beast from Revelation 13 represents the end-time government of the Antichrist. Understanding the end time.
now streaming on Endtime Plus and available to order at endtime.com slash UET. Go to endtime.com slash UET or call 800 Endtime. They that understand what is taking place will instruct many. Except a man is born again, he can enter or see the kingdom of God. I don't care what label you've been given or what label you've given yourself. You are essential. You still matter. This is a journey, and when we get to the other side of that, that's where our prize is. That's where our reward is. End time is not going anywhere. So, now you know why I wanted to do this program today. Because if you don't understand Israel's past, it is impossible to understand what's coming for Israel in the future. There's no way. I could sit here and try to explain it to you and kind of show you what's going on with Israel, but in the back of your mind, you're hearing the United Nations say, they're the occupiers and all of these protests, and all and people in our government even. Now, there are a lot of people that support Israel in our government, but I'm, you know who I'm talking about. These people that are anti-Israel. And the Jews around the world are really feeling the anti-Semitism on a rise. But folks, we've got to support Israel. God told Abraham, I will bless them that bless you, and I will curse them that curse you. You understand the Bible? and Jesus come from Abraham's, Abraham's lineage of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Think about that. Look at the writers of the Bible. God used, it's God's word, but he, look, he gave the different secretaries to write it. Uh, Job, I want you to write this. Moses, you're going to write this. Zechariah, Ezekiel, Daniel, all the different writers of the Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Uh, the Apostle Paul, Peter, all you guys are going to, you guys are the ones I've chosen to write this. And they all come from, they're Israelites, they're Jews. It comes from all that lineage down through there. So, you can see why if you don't understand the history of all of it, you're going to be stuck trying to figure out the beginning. We've got to stand with Israel. And so it, the question of, of today, Israel's right to exist, is that still a question in your mind? I mean, for centuries now, Israel has fought to preserve her God-given borders. Now think about this. Israel is not trying to impose her will on Russia, on uh, some other country, even on Jordan or um, Lebanon, Syria, Israel today just wants to exist. 
They don't want anybody trying to shoot rockets and bombs into their country. They just want to exist in their God-given ancestral homeland. That's all they want. If people would quit shooting rockets and bombs and um, unmanned aerial but armed drones and all these other things into Israel, Israel wouldn't go, they're not going out trying to enforce their Israeli will on the rest of the world. No, they're not. All they want to do is to be left alone. The problem is, is that her Arab neighbors are not going to allow that to happen. Now, I, I shouldn't say that because when you look at um, the Abraham Accords and things like that and the nations they've signed accords with, hey, they're willing to coexist with them. But there's this one problem called Iran and Mahdiism and preparing the world for the coming of the Mahdi and the 12th Imam and the implementing Sharia law globally and their dreams and goals of aspirations. And to do that, They've got, to get, they've got to eradicate Israel out of the Middle East region. And they need to get rid of the United States because they see this, us in the way of preparing the way for the Mahdi. So that's why they've got Israel surrounded with a ring of fire in Lebanon, Syria, Iraq, uh, in, um, even in the West Bank region, in Janine. Down in Gaza and in Yemen, they've got Israel surrounded because that's never going to go away. It, once the Ayatollahs took over Iran, you've got the international, uh, the, um, not the international, you've got the, uh, the IRGC, the uh, Iranian Guard, Revolutionary Guard Corps. And they are the ones that are, have a, it's a very high level elite group of uh, fighters and this uh, an elite group of military people that are commissioned with pushing this narrative of Mahdiism and uh, different things and training these terrorists and um, the Hamas many of their fighters were trained in September by the IRGC just before October 7 when they attacked in, from Gaza down there on October 7th when they had that massacre and they took all the hostages and everything. So you can kind of see what's going on here. For centuries, Israel has fought to preserve her God-given borders. God gave them that land. And she's been fighting for it ever since. I believe it's a satanic thing. She has tried to negotiate land for peace with her enemies, which she should not do, by the way. God told them, don't sign any covenants with them. Go in and drive them out. Now that's God's will. And Israel has done some things that are not God's will. They've made some serious mistakes. I'll be honest with you. Say, do you still support Israel? Yeah. Just because somebody makes a mistake don't mean I take them out behind the barn and shoot them, right? Uh, I've made mistakes. I hope people wouldn't do that with me. I've, done, I've made some mistakes that were uh, anti that were against the Bible and against God's Word. I've done some dumb stuff. Uh, and, but yet, God has had mercy upon me. God's going to have mercy upon Israel. And so we need to recognize that. I don't support Israel's LGBTQ parades and things that they do, but I support the nation of Israel because God is going to bring a remnant of them through the fire 
and they're, and they're going to be saved in the end time. And that's what I'm looking for. I want to be, I want to help facilitate that. I want to be on the, um, on the inside of that effort. And so that's our whole goal for being there. That's the goal for the college. That's the goal for all kinds of stuff is to help people that need help, the Jews that need help. And that's the goal in all of it. Because if you understand the Bible, there is a future for Israel. So, she's tried to negotiate land for peace with her enemies, and they've withdrawn from borders that God promised Abraham and his rightful descendants. And they've been attacked repeatedly. Uh, moving on down through here by um, surrounding Arab nations. And has, they participated in the Middle East peace conferences and has signed agreements to work toward a, a two-state solution with the Palestinians. And yet the world still debates Israel's right to exist in her own land, guys. That's just, it's preposterous. Israel's right to exist does not come. L listen to this. I'm going to make a, state, a few statements here. You can write this down and put it on your refrigerator, Okay. Israel's right to exist does not come from the Palestinian Authority. Israel's right to exist does not come from the United Nations. Israel's right to exist does not come from an American president. Israel's right to exist does come from Almighty God. And Israel exists because Almighty God says so. Israel doesn't need our position, our permission. Israel doesn't need the United Nations permission. Israel doesn't need the permission of anybody. Israel is there because God wants her there. Ezekiel 37 is a prophecy about the, uh, the Valley of Dry Bones. God told the, uh, Ezekiel, do you think these bones can live? And Ezekiel said, I don't know. God, you know. And God said, prophesy to those bones. And he prophesied to those bones. And they started coming together. Ankle bone to the leg bone and the leg to the hip socket. And they all started coming together and they started forming people. And tendons came on the bones and sinew and muscle and skin and internal organs and eyeballs and tongues and all these different things. And they it was stood up like people. And God told Ezekiel, this is the whole house of Israel. I'm going to bring them back into their land. And God did exactly that after the Holocaust. God miraculously brought them people back into their land. So, that this it's the will of God. Do they still make mistakes? Yep. Everybody makes mistakes. Thank God that he doesn't throw us on the trash pile every time we make a mistake, right? I mean, if you think about it, God's promise for Ishmael was only for a nation. God's covenant with Abraham and his descendants through Isaac was for the land. And Israel cannot illegally occupy land that belongs to Israel given to them by God. Now, you understand the reason why I wanted to do the program today. Because you've got to understand moving forward throughout the end time, you can't have, 
your, your, your beliefs shaken. Well, I wonder if that land really is Israel's. No, it absolutely is. And we will stand with Israel all the way to the end. Because it's a God thing, folks. Why does End Time Ministries have a college in Jerusalem? It's a God thing. God established all that. We're just seeking God and doing God's will, being led by His Spirit, and God's opened all these doors for End Time Ministries to have influential people over there as great friends to help us facilitate things that we're going to do there in the end time. Because God established the past of Israel, the ancestral homeland, but He also has a future for them. But if you don't believe they have a rightful claim to the land, then you would say, well, why, do, why should we support them? No, no. God gave them that land. And God tells us, Israel, I've got a future for Israel. I'm going to bring a remnant of them. The uh, it, it, Revelation chapter 7, verses 1 through 8, talks about a remnant of Jews in the end time that will be saved. John saw a, 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 an element of people in the end time in heaven, a multitude no man could number. And the end time church will be Jewish-Gentile church mixed, just like the early church was Jewish-Gentile. Started out with the apostles, and then in Acts 10 it went to the house of Cornelius. The Jewish-Gentile church mixed. That's the way the end time church is going to be. And so, thankful that we know the history and the scriptural background of, his, of Israel, and we also know the future, what's coming. You've got to understand the history to be able to understand the future of it all. It all ties in together. The Bible lays it all out crystal clear, and that's why I want to do the program today. I want to make sure your, your belief system is not shaken on does Israel own that land. God give them that land, and that's what we're going to stand with all the way to the end.